my phone just popped up and said, we're live on LinkedIn. Are we live on LinkedIn? We're live on LinkedIn for Leaders Eat Last. So thanks for joining us all for uh, this month's installment of Bits and Books. So if you haven't joined us, this is uh, this is our third episode, I believe. We did, we did two episodes getting warmed up with Getting Naked. I swear it's a book, right? Patrick Lencioni. So if you haven't checked that out already, check out uh, our commentary on that. Uh, we all voted last time. And we we picked uh, Leaders Eat Last. And when I say we all, I mean, if you're listening, we've got a, a poll for you to vote as well. So it's not just those of us on the call that voted. Um, and I will start today because I decided we'll take the first sets of votes from last time. So we're always voting a whole month ahead. So I could announce at the beginning of the call what the next book is. So before we jump into Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last, the next book will be Marcus Sheridan, They Ask You Answer. Okay, so... Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last. Simon Sinek had me at Y, which if you've read his Start With Why, is all about, um, and I believe this is a sales philosophy, which is funny because Kyle and I just chatted sales philosophy. If people believe in your why, they'll buy your what. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually got on to Leaders Eat Last. When my daughter went to college, she was a, a business major with entrepreneurship and leadership and I got to read her version, which you can't see, but it is well lined and highlighted, et cetera, on its way through. Um, and and I thought by the title, Leaders Eat Last, I was like, yep, I get it. Okay, put your team first, right? So I was like, he wrote 300 and some odd pages about, mm -hmm. uh, about that. And I felt like the title said it all, but it in fact did not say it all. So um I am going to have everybody introduce themselves. I've already shown you, um, uh, again, I got my my notes from my daughter, but I also took some notes. So I'd like you to introduce yourself. And then the question I'd like you to ask is, how do you consume books and what do you do to process it in terms of notes or or what do you, yeah, what do, you do to process it? So I'm just going to go around the horn as I see you on my Zoom. Kyle, you're up first. Uh, my name is Kyle Spooner. Uh, I am uh, I'm a director of operations at an MSP, Quantum Telecom Technologies. I'm also the vice president of MSP Geek, a free online community for MSPs. Uh, I so it's interesting uh, the the how you digest books question because uh, I love audiobooks. Um, however, I do not love them if they're business books. <laughs> Uh, it, that is the only exception. Like, uh, cause I, I, uh, I have audible, I have an audible subscription and I love just, you know, pressing a button and getting a new book and listening to it and having a good time. Um, but with business books, because of the way I, uh, go back and read and interpret them, I like to sit down, read them and stop, uh, and process bits at a time. Um, because when I get to a specific point, uh, and I'm like, you know, I want to ponder what was said and what was taught or what was gone over, uh, it feels like I, I'll get a better grasp of it instead of trying to go through the whole book for the whole time, because then I feel like I miss things. So if I, 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 I chunk it up a little bit, uh, it, it allows me to get a better reading on, uh, the situation. Lisa, you're up next. What say you? Um, I'm Lisa Marie Papp. I'm the owner of CSN, Computer Solutions, Solutions and Networking. Um, I consume books. Uh, basically, when I read, I take notes. And what I try to do is, is sometimes it's a balance between what is actually written to if it produces a thought of my own. And then that's where that'll get a star or something so that when I 
come back to it, then I go that aha moment. Um, and, and I truly, truly believe what you said earlier in regards to the why to the what. I find when I approach my clients or potential clients, especially, is I tell them my why. And I guarantee you nine times out of 10, that's why they actually choose CSN. Yep. Tim? Yeah, so Tim Golden, founder of Compliance Risk, soon to be Compliance Scorecard, where we've solved the governance problem for MSPs and their clients. How I consume books is audio. I am an auditory learner, so I know if I sit and try to read, I will get absolutely like I see red, I get frustrated really hard. So but when words are spoken to me or I hear them, I consume it at a much higher rate. I retain it at a much higher rate. And some of the ways that I tend to interpret that or internalize what I hear during re uh, listening to a book is I may take some notes. Uh, I may pull some clips out of the Audible app um, and I may, you know, rely on books, uh, book clubs like this to get feedback from others as well. Thanks. Chris, how about you? Uh, hi, I'm Chris Dix. I'm a software developer and founder of ChatStyle, uh, where we make uh, chat-based uh, automation and communication software for MSPs. And uh, I like Kindle. Um, I, I have a ton of books on my Kindle that I'm going through. This is only the second uh, well, I, I didn't really read business books before this book club, so um, it's been a learning experience, and I'm trying to see how that works out, reading that kind of book on a Kindle. Um, it's been good so far. Uh, I tend to take notes for it on a uh, app like Notepad or something like that, just keep it, keep it on the side um, when something catches my attention or something I want to make sure to talk about later in a situation like this. So, um, But that's worked out well so far. I, I'm, so, I'm so glad that we have sort of all of the strategies. We, we didn't plan that, but I was super curious what Tim and Chris, what a Kindle or an Audible listener does. Um, the one book that I just listened to, think again, I had to go buy because I wanted a paper copy to take notes. And like Kyle, I get to a spot and I want to flip back and I want to look for like some triggers for me because I'm a very visual learner and I can't flip in audible, right? I'm like, I want to grab that quickly. Um, a lot of what Lisa talked about resonates with me for a few reasons. First, I star anything in my notebook that I have to come back to. So when you said you start, I was like, yep, I've asterisks all over the place. So I'm listening to an audible book that was recommended me recommended to me by Brian, who couldn't join us today, but we'll be back next time called The Secret Art of Note-Taking. I think that that's, I will confirm it. How to Take Smart Notes. I wasn't close at all. You would have had a hard time finding it. Um, how to Take Smart Notes. And it is, it talks about a slip box. So I'm just gonna spend a minute going over this. Now, the goal for this person that wrote the book is for people who want to write books in the future. So this was all about somebody who wants to write nonfiction books. But I would dare say that every human on this call has a capacity in some way of producing content. So I think this book, well, this book was written uh, a few years ago. And so I think this notion is really good for anybody who has to develop content. 
And the idea is sort of aligned with what Lisa said. Uh, we all said we grab bits and pieces, like whether or not you take a note in a book or note on a piece of paper. Um, he would call these fleeting notes, right? This is just an idea, but it turns into a permanent note when you put it someplace that you're going to reference it later. And, mo and the best permanent note is like Lisa said, when you add your own idea to it, right? Because then it's not just a list of quotes that you can put as a, you know, as a quote on LinkedIn, but a new idea that you can kind of add to it. So I find that super interesting. We just started using Notion for my stealth mode project. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I still take fleeting notes in my book. So I usually walk and read at the same time. My neighbors make fun of me because I've always got a pencil. I'm taking notes in the book, but those are fleeting notes that turn into permanent notes when I move them into, into Notion. So anyway, thanks for playing my game with that. Um, so here's the index card. This is I didn't write in that book because I already had all my daughter's notes in the book. So this time on my walk, like this is legit. My, like this is what happens when Marnie goes for a walk is uh, I take these notes. So the first thing I wanted to ask about for um, Leaders Eat Last is the notion of trust. I felt like so much of the book was about um actually wait prior to that sorry i didn't ask big idea first so leaders eat last i'll go around the horn in reverse this time so kyle you'll be last um big idea that you got from the book or sort of your synopsis of it chris um i guess one big idea i took from the book is uh a statement that uh it just kind of you know leapt off the page to me as a the idea that the goal of a leader is to give no orders, I think it mentioned. Um, and and just I, I, that struck a, a chord with me personally, because I think uh, the, all the worst jobs I've had fail that test, you know, like that. Um, it, it, if you can set up a situation for for people in your organization where where they know what they need to do and and feel responsible for that thing, but but you don't give them some sort of you know order about it, like but give them a, a direction and an intent. I think is how the book described it, um, and then and then give them responsibility for that and let them take care of it. I think that that's that's a hallmark of a healthy organization uh, that, that really I would like to reproduce. Um, uh, that just hit me uh, particularly. Yeah, that's a good one. Tim, how about you? You're muted. On mute here and pretend like you can actually hear my sign language. So. All lip read quickly after. Well, you know, Ray's not here, so uh, somebody <laughs> has to be the. You're on mute, Ray. <laughs> so yeah, you know, with all my years in the military and how I've always approached things in life, sort of one of the concepts that resonated with me from the book was learn the job of the person above you and teach your job to the person below you. And so I've spent a lot of my life and a lot of my career like consuming knowledge, but then making sure I'm transferring that knowledge or I'm, you know, teaching those below me as far as, you know, pick any topic for that matter. And teaching those below me, I think has been something that's really, you know, resonated with me in this book. Like, yeah, I'm the leader. I eat last and I need to make sure like, my team, my company, my employees, my friends, they're well taken care of, you know, they have that safety of trust, they, you know, they have what they need to do their job and be successful. And if they don't, and I can educate them on that, then that's how I'm going to approach it. 
Well, and how much of that from a purely technical, right? The, so much of that is trust, which we'll obviously get into in a minute. But how much of that is also documentation and paperwork? I mean, the reality of if you're really going to do that. Um, yeah, you want to answer that? <laughs> I mean, you know, I built a documentation platform, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is literally how I live and breathe but, my life. But tell right? me, I mean, those are, they're not a far stretch. You have to have both the human piece, but also the process piece in order to be able to pass, right? Well, see, I mean, the, pro the process is only as good as the humans to support it, right? And that's how I always approach everything. Like have a champion, give them the tools to be successful. And if that's a, you know, tab A into slot B into step seven, have the process to back that up. But if the human doesn't understand the why, if the human doesn't understand the reasoning, I don't Everything care what- Everything looks like do. a slot B or a slot seven. <laughs> right, and so, so you know, where this kind of, where at least the teaching aspect, like this is the why, and it's something that I've really, you know, struggled with a lot of my career is to, in my IT career for that matter is, I'm just gonna go do it. Now I completely different approach is explain the why, get the buy-in. People are willing to make change if they understand the why behind it. And then you back it up with the policies and procedures. So when I look at leaders eating last, right, making sure that the health and well-being of our staff, the health and well-being of our friends or family or whatever is taken care of first, right? The hierarchy of basic needs. But as you flow through that hierarchy, having buy-in, having the understanding, being able to get them, not get them, but to help them understand this is why we're doing this stuff. And then all the policy procedure and documentation to support that. Yep. Yep. Lisa, how about you? Well, it's interesting reading this book now. And then I have to flip back before I had my business when I was working with a company because I made sure that my staff sees I can walk the talk. I can get my hands dirty. And the reason for that is because that builds that trust line between them and me. And with that trust line, if I was to take time away to go on vacation or have surgery or something, they know they can pick up the ball and go forward. And they know this is what's in Lisa's eyes. Um, but the other thing is, it's like Tim just said, the why, why if you have your staff or your technicians or even subcontractors understand your eyes and why, then you're not going to have that one employee or person go off and do their own thing. And then you have to clean up the pieces. One of the big cases that I always talk about was the time that I had a holiday dinner or a holiday meal with my staff of 15. They decided they wanted to do it. I said, okay, we'll put it on the card and everything like that. And it was so interesting how they kept, everyone kept pushing me to go first in line. I'm like, no, this is about you. Because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. And you see how I just went, you, we, then I. Yeah. I'm last because it's not about me. It's about my team. And I say that even today because I don't have that large of a team. But you know what? I do. I have Tim. I have Marnie. I have Ray. I have Microsoft. I have all these people. And so when I can have that trust line 
between those people to my company, that's what's going to make me successful. So hearing and re reading about this, I was like, man, I wish I had my staff read that many years ago. It really didn't come to light until I decided it was time to separate from that company. Yeah. And I happened and to have a lunch with one of my right-hand guys that worked for me. And he goes, you shouldered a lot of stuff. You protected us. And I said, then I did my job. Yeah. Kyle, how about you? I don't got to follow. Why do I have to be last? These are all great. <laughs> <laughs> Leaders eat last. So maybe I was just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. Um, everything, like all his talks, all his stuff uh, resonate really clearly with me. Um, and this book is no exception. Um, a lot of the stuff is how I try to go about how I lead in areas that I am uh, a part of, you know, I'm required to lead or I'm just kind of thrust in that position or whatever. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me that kind of encapsulated um, the stuff I at least try to do every day, but I don't know, I'm not always successful, uh, is servant leadership. Um, it's, uh, uh, the, the core premise is, um, it, you put the team above yourself, right? That is, that's what it is, but it's, it, it, I think something better about it is it, the, the goal isn't to uh, accumulate wealth or power. Um, it's, it's just to, to allow your team to succeed. And that is something I'm extremely passionate about is watching others succeed, uh, regardless of where they're at. That's why I'm a part of the community. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm here. I, I want, uh, to help others be better. And if I'm not doing that, uh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Uh, so I try to do that as much as possible. Um, and it's, it's really important. I feel that those who have the position, the experience, the authority to be able to make those decisions to help others, uh, because as humans are, uh, societal in nature, and, uh, we all have our little mini communities inside of bigger communities. We have our friend groups, right? Everyone has that. And we rely on them um, they're in our uh, circle of uh, what, what would you call it? Circle of safety. And, uh, and it's, it's you know, there's different circles in different areas, depending on uh, what you're doing and, and where you're at. And it's important to foster those. And uh, anytime uh, someone is successful, if I've helped them or not, I'm always super happy. So you mentioned a word there that uh, that gave me a thought. You said authority. And I can remember having some conversation where I said, I don't really care if I have the authority because if you're a good leader, you automatically have some innate power, right? Like mm -hmm. when you build that trust, that servant leadership, mm -hmm. um, so which kind of builds into the trust piece. So how, um, you know, if, if others it's sort of, if others trust you, they will follow you whether or not you are designated the leader, right? That is how I think many of us end up in businesses. People have just decided to follow until you end up like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm running this, this thing type of, type of way. So what in this book about trust um, necessarily resonated in the way you work? Or I always think the counter example is interesting, right? Someplace where without trust, what happens any any takers on that one um i'll start uh mainly because of something lisa said um about how one of the ways she builds trust is she walks the walk um 
sadly, uh, sometimes that's not always the case. You're not, uh, so, you know, there's massive businesses, right? You go into a leadership position at a fortune 500 company, you're not going to be able to do everything that they do. So showing an understanding and being in willingness to learn at least some aspects of something you don't know, um, will allow you to foster that trust with those who you lead. Uh, and it's important to like emphasize you know that you want to learn and actually learn right don't just pretend <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh you you have to to show willingness to understand because there's there's been stuff i've written processes and procedures for that i've never done a day in my life but i've uh gone to them and been like this is what i ex this is what i think should happen where am i wrong um and I, you know I, I don't mind being wrong in fact me being wrong means i'm learning something so uh, I'm I'm happy to 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 do that, and, uh, and and not only that, but there's been times where I haven't done a role in years, and uh, I, I've done the role. Like not much has changed since I've done the role, um, but I still don't, uh, you know, assume I know everything is still happening the same way I did it uh, when I did. So I will go and be like, hey, look, here is uh, the situation. Here's how I did it, and, and I expect it to go. Or here's the situation, or whatever I want to do. Is there anything changed or different that I need to know about? Um, and being willingness to uh, be vulnerable um, to something you may not know is absolutely critical in establishing trust and not enough people are vulnerable to those that they lead. So I was literally going to say it was vulnerability, which is like, that is absolutely a component I just read. So you triggered a few other books that I've recently just read, Think Again, and then Dare to Lead. Um, so Think Again's Adam Grant, Dare to Lead is uh, um, Brene Brown. Uh, that really speak to, it doesn't matter what your position is, but if you can be vulnerable, right, that will um, allow people to build that trust. Anybody else, any thoughts on trust or vulnerability? Uh, yeah, I um, I was, one of the things I took away from it, I think is um, that a lot of it comes from honesty, the trust thing. And I think that was the, the, the last book we did with the getting naked dealt with that too, with, with the being honest, um, builds trust. Um, I, I admit, as I started reading this one, I was a little skeptical about some of the things that they were saying. It was painting this picture of like, if we just make a nice company, everything will work out fine, you know? And I, I, I've, 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 I've been in companies that talked like that, but, but it, it's not true. And, mm -hmm. and so that was one of the things that I felt like, that I could really take as as something that mattered and and to, you could actually use afterwards is um you can try to build a nice company and uh, but if you're honest about everything that's happening and and build that trust then uh that's even more important uh, I think um and, and and it will foster uh trust and empathy and all these other things that that that, that build uh success so it's interesting to say that when I was in education, the, there was a phrase that some leaders would love their students to failure. And um, I went to a football game the year after, so I'd been assistant principal at the high school, and a dozen folks came and gave me hugs. And my husband said, so this isn't looking like the average group of folks that would come and give an assistant principal hugs. Who are all of these people? And I said, well, I've suspended almost all of them. <laughs> and he was like, 
so why are they giving you hugs? And I said, because what they really want is some accountability and appreciate, like they wanted the consistency of, I will love you even if you do something wrong and I will hold you accountable for it. And I'm not giving you a pass because you can be better than that, right? So it's the, the honesty to say, like being honest doesn't mean always, like you're not just, don't take my kindness for weakness. I can be kind and love you and still mm -hmm. tell you that you, have walked off campus during the school day and we'll go spend time in in school suspension that's the rule right that is the way yeah, we go that's the rule. And, yeah and they they are now that's been 10 years and they will still when they see me on the street tell me that they appreciated that the authenticity of like you love us for who we are but you hold us accountable yeah. to a higher yeah. standard. and i think that's important a lot of yeah, people struggle with that I was going to say, you're right. So, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kyle. No, so, um, you know, we, yeah, it might be a little bit of a religious quote, but speaking the truth in love, right, is is something that kind of we live by here, a family mantra. Like, yeah, they know our kids, whatever, our family, they know we love them, but being able to speak the truth to them, you know, not pamper them, baby them, whatever, not be a jerk or crass or everything else, but being able to find that balance of saying like, we're going to hold you accountable for the things that you said you wanted to be held accountable for. We're gonna guide you through that appropriately, but we're gonna love you along the way, right? We're going to support you along the way. And so when I look at our staff and our staff, you know, maybe I have a staff member struggling with X, Y, or Z, like, I don't care if you complete the ticket or not. Tell me what's going on, Yeah. right? Yeah. Getting on those, you know, those either weekly standups or daily standups and hearing, I mean, we're not dumb people. We can hear frustration in our, in our coworkers and in our friends and in our staff's voice. Being, I guess, empathetic or in tune to that. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm not really good at that. <laughs> this is why my wife and I make a really great team because she's usually there tugging on my shoulder, letting me know, oh, there's more to the story. Yeah. And so yes. when I get in these conversations, I put in the back of my head and actually I have a little piece of paper on my desk here that says there's more to the story. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it just sits there kind of on my desk and reminds me to like try to be more empathetic and ask what's going on. I, I love uh, on on that uh to, to expand on that a little bit uh not just in management or internal frustrations uh anything you deal with you should always remind yourself that there's more toward the story uh if like you get a customer complaint there's more toward the story you see uh, social media right uh <laughs> But one of the things I've noticed, and I'm not sure if everyone else uh, shares this uh, experience, but um, a lot of the newer leaders inside, newly promoted or what have you, uh, they struggle with the discipline aspect of being a manager. And a I'll lot of... Be a friend. Yeah. Uh, a lot, And all the business books, like even this one, doesn't really have a ton of you should make sure to discipline and hold everyone accountable in it. Uh, and a lot of them are like, you should lead with like, you should eat last and you should, uh, you know, put in trust in your, and, and uh, you know, be honest and, and get naked with your staff and, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, please. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, build that, build the uh, 
everyone should be comfortable with everyone but no one talks about that you should you know it's okay to eat last and discipline when someone needs discipline Mm -hmm. or hold accountable someone that needs to be held accountable and writing someone up uh having a discussion that's in the negative that's okay that is allowed please it's in and it made it like an experience thing. Like you don't have, uh, I've because like, me personally, I've only fired one person in my entire life. It was the worst thing I've ever done. But if I had to do it again, I would. Uh, and, but I mean, that's the, that's the situation. Like it was just time. Uh, and that individual, because I've kept track, uh, <laughs> uh, is, is really successful. He's, uh, yeah. you know, he's gone on to do a lot of cool things. Uh, and it's, that situation is, you know, it's, it's okay to, to put yourself and uh, it goes back to the vulnerability. It's okay to be vulnerable. If you have someone you want to talk to about that, do, uh, but you know, it's okay to discipline your staff and, and and those that you lead. And I think part of the vulnerability is to be able to have the conversation and same with customer success. The more you can be proactive, the less you will have to be reactive. Right. So mm-hmm. I've had to fire a few also definitely the worst days. That is never any fun. And the last mm-hmm. time that I did it, however, Um, The person wasn't surprised at all because we'd had conversations along the way about how they weren't meeting the expectations, right? So um, if you're honest enough along the way about we're all aiming for, that's why KPIs are important. I'm not one to just jot down a KPI for the sake of a KPI. But if our core values are aligned to our mission and purpose, and we've got numbers that are tracking toward that, when you're not hitting those numbers, the conversation is a lot easier, right? And to get them to express that, I think is important um, to your point, Kyle, right? Because then it's less of like, I'm blindsiding you because you had no idea. I was keeping these secret numbers and you didn't hit any of them, yes, right? Please. Much easier <laughs> if, uh, if they weren't secrets. Yeah, emphasis on indicator, uh, right? right? KPIs, key performance yeah. indicator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. What was that? What was that? Uh, there's more to the story? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No, I think you make a really good, you make a really good point. I know you were talking both uh, you and Kyle a little bit like about letting employees go and that kind of stuff. And that's difficult, right? That's a really challenging aspect of being a business leader, being a business owner or being in management, right? And so, you know, I've had, I've faced these challenges, you know, I've, I've, I'm a pretty autonomous, you know, kind of manager leader, whatever, like, I set the expectations. I give them their indicators. They're not secrets. These are things that we work together to strive for the greater good of whatever we're doing. And then I then I'm hands off. And I check in, I do my stand-ups, I get, you know, whatever, the good, bad, the ugly, the L10s, whatever. But, you know, there have been periods in my career where I've been in a position where, you know, I take the human, you know, I give them the horse and I lead them to the water and I stuff their face in the pond and I do everything that I can. Like we know know, where this one is going. (laughs) You know, micromanagement down to literally every day and a half hour stand up every single day with the one on one getting to the point where it's like, all right, now we're going to put in a a pip in place. Now we're going to put the things that HR say we need to be doing and follow through that. And it gets ugly and it gets emotional, right? And one of the things that I think we can bring to, you know, MSP leaders, to business owners of MSPs is try to separate the emotion from the fact. Yeah. And that's very difficult to do. Thank goodness Maureen helped, my wife helps me a lot with that. And being able to separate, here's what you agreed to do. 
here's where you're not doing those things. Here's what we've agreed to help you to do those things. That's Literally exactly separating exactly. the fact from the emotions because when we use statements like I, you, the, you know, that negativity, like it just, it's not helpful. It's not helpful at all. So it's interesting you say that because, you know, that was sort of segued into um, letting someone go. What's <laughs> the opposite of that? Like, so, so Lisa, I'll start with you. If you have something, don't feel like you have to. In interviewing, what is something that maybe a precept from this book would would make you think like oh this is something i should ask about in advance and as a side note um kyle you said you follow simon Sinek everywhere as do i so on linkedin the other day he said um one of the interview questions he asks is um i don't like surprises what might happen that would surprise me and what what would be a warning so he loves the answers he gets from that um so lisa i'm curious if there's anything that you read that triggered like, oh, I should find that out about somebody before they start working with me. Cause like my core value is X, Y, or Z and they hate that. And I, boy, would I love to have known that ahead of time. Well, I don't know if this is really, this is something I do. Um, so it might be a little bit off base here a little bit. Um, and I got a lot of this practice when I worked with a previous company and, and, I, and, and also in lifeguarding and stuff. And I'm bringing up lifeguarding because you have to imagine when you're sitting at a pool or on the beach, um, being the lifeguard, you have everybody's life in your hands, even though they're out gallivanting and doing things. But the one thing is, is this is how I can decipher who's going to be a good lifeguard and really who's not. And the same thing, what I've learned of who could be a good person for our organization or not. Why don't you start off the interview by asking them, about their growing up. Get to ask them that question. We do that, if you think about it, we actually do that when we start meet, going out and dating or meeting our mates. What do we do? Yeah. We ask them about themselves and their where they come, where actually where they come from. And this is how you can decipher what one in, the, in this kind of segues, is this person gonna give me a great detail of how they grew up? Or are they going to give me something very short and simple? And that is going to tell me if they're a detailed type of person, depending on that job, then there that could be a good fit. But if they're yeah. very short and simple, then you're wondering what tragedies could have occurred? What could be this? What could be that? Nobody has a perfect growing up, but getting personal. And, and I guess that's how I start off my interviews. I actually <laughs> will take a resume and turn it upside down. And I, I just sit there, tell me about yourself. Tell me your goals. Don't tell me what's on this. Because that alignment is sort of, I think, something that speaks to all of the trust piece, et cetera. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's that's basically what what I tend to tend to do. And then of course you have your regular pointed questions, and then it leads into if there's gonna be a second interview and, and things like that. But one, when you start off an interview what have you just done you're now creating a trust atmosphere when you're helping build what the culture is yeah. going to look like which i think is a good bit of what he speaks to in all of his writings and sometimes i speak to his other writings so because all of his stuff for me kind they're of, very similar yeah they are very similar yeah <laughs> Um, I mean, so one of the questions we ask is, is a hot dog a sandwich, which immediately <laughs> says something about the way it's going to be like to live. The answer is yes. 
<laughs> Thank yeah. you. There's, there's, there's bun, there's bread, there's bread, middle, thing in between. Stuff. Sandwich. It's, that's the definite, literal definition. One was a cousin to a taco. I'm like, okay, solid. The other was it's a Schrodinger sandwich. It's both is and isn't a sandwich. Um, uh. <laughs> although my favorite response to it was somebody asked what the company thought of it. And I replied, sir, we don't give out company secrets until you sign an NDA. <laughs> he ended up with job because he took that joke like if you couldn't take that joke right away that's a great that's joke not gonna work right. so. <laughs> uh, i i have a couple of questions um yeah. that i asked depending on the the role um because like i i work for an msp so a lot of our hires tend to be those who work tickets right or projects you know things that involve complex you know things to resolve so the question i generally ask them um and uh it's worked really well uh is uh I would like you to explain to me in 60 seconds, max, anything you want. Yeah. Uh, there's no conditions other than it has to be within a minute. Tell it, 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 whatever you want it to be, cars, programming, how to fish, whatever you want it to do. Um, because a lot of times, the reason I ask that is a lot of people are very uncomfortable in an in interview process and you can ask them technical questions and they're immediately nervous but if you give them an option to explain to you something that uh they, they immediately relate to a hobby something they, they they are intimately comfortable with they are in their own circle of trust and they begin to uh, uh you know relax and uh, a lot of times, uh, it's about 50-50, but a lot of them don't make it within 60 seconds. But I had someone explain to me how to change brakes on his on a car that he has. It was something he had recently done. Nice. And I'm talking, he went down to the individual sockets he used. He was like, you need a 17 size to do this, and you need a 15 to do this. Uh, and like that shows to me that he has an easy, because uh, he can explain to me someone who has no familiarity with vehicles. Yeah. Uh you know, he's comfortable in what he knows how to explain. So when he's talking to a client and he's explaining a situation to a client that's occurring, he can explain to them in a way that uh, will impart knowledge, but not overwhelm them. Yeah. Uh, and then and, and there's like a whole, just a ton of information you can gather just from that quick little thing that puts them in a comfort zone to allow them to be able to uh, elaborate. The other thing, which is kind of from uh, the aspect of a leadership position is, uh, how does a leader how does a leader's commitment to the well-being of their team and staff that they're in charge of relate to the long-term you know well-being and success profitability of the organization um because they're you're like it, it, generally in the situation you're going to be their leader uh so you're under you're asking them how you would uh be how how they would want you as a leader right you're asking them to to tell you how to lead them uh and you can get a lot from that as well um because that also they're generally not prepared for leadership questions like that right um and it's it's a it's a good fun uh back and forth that i think and i sorry tim i didn't mean to steal yours well mine's slightly different so but it was along the similar lines right so um so we have three questions depending on the role right one of the ones that i pretty much ask everybody is you know can you describe to me when you prioritized the well-being of a teammate a colleague or whatever over your own interests or beliefs and what made it motivated you to do that so that tells that helps me 
understand their mindset of leaders eat last, right? It helps me understand, like, are you putting the needs of others before yourself? And depending where they are on that spectrum, you know, we can obviously make some 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 uh, interview judgments around that. I hate to use the word judgment, that's wrong. Uh, the second question that we ask is, in less than a minute, tell me how to put a seatbelt on. <laughs> well, it's good to know the level of detail, right? To Kyle's point also, the way yeah. they explain it and um, and how they explain it, I think is, as a teacher, it's super important. So I love those. Yeah. And the last one is which one kind of throws in. And I used to do when I used to hang out at the bars and restaurants and drink all that, like this was always the icebreaker, which was if you could hang out with any one person in all of history from the moment of the bang till today, who would it be and why? That tells you a lot about a human for sure. Yeah. You know, it's been yeah. that, you know, when I've sat at bars and restaurants or whatever, like that conversation with just somebody off the street, I don't care what you do during the day. I want to know who you are as a person. Oh, that reminds me. So there's a girl that so there are a couple of books on this now, too. But um, Kelsey O'Connor, she graduated from NC State. She did a, um, her graduation speech was on who you are, rather what you do. Right. Like, so I'm not an engineer. I'm a problem solver, that type of thing. It's a really good little uh, YouTube video if you're interested. Um, so I have one question for everybody. We'll do kind of rapid fire to wrap up. Um, what is something maybe you heard today from someone or read in the book that you want to you want to implement? Right. We've talked about it before. Like if we're going to read these books, we should do something with them other than take notes and put them in our slip box or or whatever. So what's something that um, that you want to walk away with from this? Chris, can I start with you? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I liked the term that uh, I read in the book. It was uh, long-term greedy, I think was the phrase that they used, you know, having uh, a, a big picture for, you know, the fact that you might do something that's uh, a sacrifice in the short term, but is a trust building and uh, uh, is as is actually, you know, going to be long-term beneficial to you. Um, try to have that, that, that long uh long game i guess for success you know so uh yeah i'm gonna try to be long-term greedy i like it lisa how about you i want to i i'm still searching but i think this might have helped me i want to be able to uh be able to read people better to build a better trust that's the key thing I, i'm running into a roadblock right now on that um I'm seem to be behind the eight ball um I'm not afraid to fire I'm not afraid to cut up a contract it's not my worst day actually it's my happiest day yeah, <laughs> sometimes right <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you fire yourself I, I like I said like you said Kyle you've only fired one person I'm the same way I've only fired one person but they actually fired themselves um but I just helped them to get the last foot out the door uh, but yeah I think that's a lot of it is is I think our level in trusting others has really dropped greatly or has got a very wide berth. And I think a lot of that is because of our current environment. But as I, I look at it, I want to be able to be able to read people to build that trust a little bit better at the get go when it comes to clients. Nice. Tim? Yeah, I mean, I have a bunch. I think I'm going to kind of narrow it down to kind of two key aspects. First, um, 
trying to learn how to be more empathetic, right? It's not a natural trait of who I am. And books like Radical Candor and Leaders Eat Last have really helped with being more empathetic. So that would be the first bucket. And the second bucket is now as a new you know, startup co-founder, literally wearing every single hat, like trust in the delegation. Not every job is my job. And yeah. I mean, I learned that lesson yesterday where my marketing team came back and was like, no, Tim, this is not your thing. <laughs> okay, you're right. Trust in the delegation. I mean, you'd think after, you know, 13 years in the military, having to delegate stuff, I'd still have that. But fast forward, it's still, <laughs> it's still a struggle sometimes to <laughs> trust in the delegation of the people that I empowered to do their job and do it well. Kyle? So what I'm going to do, uh, I'm also going to challenge everyone else to do who's watching and who's out here. Um, one of Simon Sinek's uh, things that he mentions, which makes like the best sense in the entire world and is absolutely true, but it just doesn't click until someone says it. Uh, no one trains their managers to be leaders. They don't train them how to the leadership aspect. They train them how to do the job. They train them how to do the tasks that the managerials require. But they don't train them how to do things like co conflict resolution and uh, how how to have conversations that are serious. How to build goals. Like no one trains them on that aspect. So I uh, I started this back in November at my MSP, uh, and I'm going to take this and uh start working on a, a training aspect to the the middle managers we have with this book specifically so that's what i'm going to do and i would challenge everyone who's listening uh to to start begin to, to at least begin the process if you don't already have a method to train your uh, managers because they are super important they are absolutely critical to your business and you ignore them from the most important perspective <laughs> not accident like it's accidental it's not like purposely right and and i'll wrap that up with i think the term manager versus leaders, very different. I've said to people before, I don't care what title you give, but don't put manager in it because I don't want to manage anything. It sounds like micromanaging, but I'd rather lead, you know, last, who would be fine by eating last. Um, so I love that. So I'll take that challenge for sure. I think that is a um, thinking about how to train other people to be leaders is a fantastic, fantastic um, goal. Well, thanks all. Um, we will put in the, at the end of the live stream in the chat, the poll, so we've already voted for next time, but we've, we're open for a month. We'll send out the poll so that um, folks can vote for the next book. But for, for next month, which will be the end of November, it is They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. Um, all, any marketers in the world should uh, take note. Uh, it's all about educating the market to sort of become the thought leader and the trusted advisor, which is always the, the elusive trusted advisor. So thanks all for joining and uh, get your they ask you answers together and we will see everybody in a month. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everybody. broadcast of the MSP Media Network.